Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. A very warm welcome to each and every one of you on Leadership Insights with me, Prashant. Aap sabko mera pyaar bara namaskar. As every week, we bring forward a guest on this show who can help us in our mission of spreading the awareness about leadership or bringing in some insightful perspectives of what leadership is and what leadership is not. And today, we have another amazing guest with us to share his insights his perspectives through his experiences with us he is currently the executive vice president global marketing at wadwani foundation he spearheads the marketing activities of the wadwani foundation globally his career has been replete with launching and managing leading fmcg brands like airtel royal challenge mutis tata indicom videocon sansui and kenwood he has more than 25 years of experience across leading organizations like bharti airtel Tata Tele Services, Shaw Wallace, Videocon, Bennett and Coleman, Biocon, and Devu Motors. That's an amazing experience and speaks volumes about him. He is an avid columnist as well in leading publications and has been extensively awarded for his marketing initiative over the years. He has honed his marketing and managerial skills from Indian Institute of Management, Ahmedabad, Wharton Business School, University of Pennsylvania, Marcus Evans, London, Indian School of Business, Hyderabad, and Tata Management Training Center, Pune. So without any further delay let's welcome our today's guest with us Mr Atul Raja Hi Atul a very good morning to you Hi Prashant thank you for a wonderful intro and thank you for having me here You're welcome and I would like to thank you Atul I understand that you know you're not feeling well uh, there are challenges that you have regarding your health but you still made it on the show and here to give your best and add value to us so thank you so much for doing that My pleasure Prashant Great So Atul, to start the conversation, the first question itself uh, is heavy. The first question itself is very direct. So we'll just directly dive into it. And that question is that a survey was done by McKinsey where it was reported that more than seventy-six percent employees described their leaders as toxic, and more than seventy-five percent felt that their immediate leader, the immediate manager, is the most stressful part of their job. Now, when I when I say this, and when you hear this, Atul, what are your first thoughts on this? Yeah, so uh, very frankly, I'm not uh, surprised to hear about this uh, survey findings. Uh, but you know, I have a view on this. See, leadership is a conundrum, right? Um, on the one side, you can't force leadership onto people. On one side of the coin, on the other side. there is unexpected leadership right lot of leaders get into positions because of unexpected situations so let's let's take two quick examples right uh, one is uh, steve jobs steve jobs autocratic style of leadership uh, his own uh, colleagues called him scary he surrounded himself with like minded people now these are things that you'll hear in no textbook right but then see the results right apple is and continues to be one of the most valuable companies in the world right look at the other style uh, you know jack welch comes to my mind ge mm. uh, one of the youngest leaders at ge went on to hold on to his leadership position for two decades his style of leadership what was described as boundaryless you know anybody according to him who was a contributor was a leader right so he believed in creating an army of leaders 
delegation was key to him. He created a corporate culture that cultivated new leaders, right? But for him, change was constant. So for from his angle also, there was a lot of consternation within GE, like he, why so many changes are happening at one point of time, right? But the fact remains that two great leaders with two outstanding, uh, you know, uh, uh, pedigrees on the one side, uh, totally different uh, styles of leadership on the other side. But the common fulcrum was that both of them got great results. While Apple remained as the most valuable organization on this globe, uh, uh, Jack Welch took GE from a $13 billion organization to close to a $500 billion organization in two decades, right? So uh, the point um, and my response to this is that leadership is intriguing, in, uh, very intriguing. It does not come easy. Uh, it always evokes strong emotions. And um, intriguing is the key word. So once we discuss leadership today, I think let's begin on this intriguing note. Sure, Atul. Now, Atul, in your conversation, uh, what I hear is results, right? If you look at Apple, if you look at G, if you look at where Steve Jobs has taken Apple to and it becoming the supreme, uh, you know, the, the, the premium of quality, of innovation, they are the pioneers in that. Whenever anybody speaks about innovation or quality, Apple is spoken about, right? And whenever anyone speaks about exponential growth, in a, in a very small period of time, people speak of Jack Welch and people speak of GE. And there are a lot of people who read leadership, who try to understand leadership from their perspective of what they did. The case There are case studies that are taught in B schools about them, right? Sure. Now, in the conversation, we did speak about results, which means we spoke about a certain million dollar to a certain billion dollar. We spoke about from Apple not being anything, being in a garage to actually being a premier organization right now. And it's all talking about numbers, right? And yeah. what I noticed today and have been noticing for a while now that when it comes to leadership, one factor that gets constantly spoken about is results that, you know, okay, tell me what did you produce as results in your previous organization is one of the top questions that leaders get asked in the interview. And even in their performance appraisals, the biggest question is saying that, you know, where were you last year and where have you taken the results of the organization or your team or in alignment with the vision of the organization in the past year, right? Everybody speaks about results and results are important because that's what keep the business running. If the results don't show up, the stakeholders trust is lost. The customers trust is lost and the organization goes down. Now, taking away from the results, moving to a parallel and talking about the people element of it, right? You said that Steve Jobs only had like-minded people around it, which means people who agreed with him, who said yes to him, who aligned with what he's saying and just executed what he wanted to get executed is what he actually built and Jack Welch actually liked change. He accepted change and he knew that the way to grow an organization is to make more Jack Welches in the organization and people who are leaders need to grow at each and every level that they're there. Now Absolutely. let's talk about the people element uh, here because the survey that we are talking about is about the people. There is no one in the survey who is saying that results are not right or results are not driven. All they're saying is that, yes, I understand that we need to focus on results, but the way it is being done, the how part of it is where the people are suffering. So what yes. is your take on that when it comes to the how part of the people aspect of the whole business? 
Yeah, so perhaps uh, Prashant will discuss it during our course of the conversation in more detail, but you are actually taking words out of my mouth. Uh, so results are given, right? If you are a leader and you need to stay in the leadership position, you are answerable to a board and things like that, and you are responsible for the bottom line and that keeps the organization going. So that is given. But, uh, you know, a great leader is also a people, great people's manager. That's what I feel, right? It's not easy to do that balancing act. And that's why I called it intriguing, you know. There mm -hmm. are some people who say, come what may. I have these limitations and I don't have a great team or I have an organization that is laid back, but I have to drive the results. So the only way is to do it through a stick. Right. Mm. And there are other great leaders who who know how to work around these constraints, right? Who know how to turn things around, who know how to motivate people, who know how to take the team along with them, right? So, in a sense, what happens on one side, you achieve the results, but you achieve it with a great deal of heartburn. Perhaps the talent stickiness will never be there. Like in the case of Steve Jobs that I told you, if he had an idea at two in, in the morning, the entire organization was rushing to the Apple office in the Bay Area to discuss Steve's brilliant idea at 2 a.m., right? Uh, so so that, that's a style of management that he couldn't do away with, right? On the other hand, uh, you know, in the other case, that example that I gave you, maybe there are other leaders who would have been in a huddle and who would actually go back to their leader with a bottoms-up bucket of ideas, right? How mm -hmm. to do things. Mm -hmm. So the how part is absolutely, you are right, is very important. Uh, it's very difficult uh, to go uh, and uh, take an empowered organization along with you and uh, do the results. Um, and it's very easy on the other side to be a harsh leader and drive the results through a stick. Uh, so that's what actually creates great leaders, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so. People will stay with you, people who believe in your values, in your ethics, and, uh, you know. So that's how. And uh, I was with Biocon, and that's the example. The top leadership team with Kiran at that point of time uh, was the team that actually was with her when she started from a garage. Mm. Right? And they stuck around one of them was president finance one of them was president marketing so imagine from there when they used to talk about there was no chair to sit mm. uh, from there they the sitting in plush offices holding multi-million dollar businesses and being responsible mm. for them so that was her leadership style so mm. that's that's talent stickiness they stuck around and she reaped the benefits of it the point I was trying to make when I said intriguing is uh, despite uh, having a very harsh management style, Steve got away with it. Not very many leaders will get away with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And and there might there are surely reasons for that to happen, uh, which we don't have access to. But people who have worked with Steve would yes. know why did they align with him and what drove them because... A lot of times, you know, if I just compare it to, uh, you know, our lives, there are people around us who probably drive us crazy, but we still are in love with them uh, yes. because because there is an element to them uh, which actually keeps us bound to them, even though 
they drive us crazy and the love towards that element is so much and the attachment is so high that yeah. we are ready to take we are ready to bear that pain because we know that you know the love is much greater than the pain that we have Absolutely. maybe that's something that drove his people to stick with him drove his people to align with what he wants because they yeah. probably yeah. understood the person behind those behaviors that he was displaying externally they yes
Hi Atul, can you see me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can see and hear you. Okay, All great. Right. I'm so sorry. Uh, so sorry, Atul. And sorry, everyone. Uh, my laptop just crashed. It just turned off for no reason. Uh, I just okay. tried to turn it on. Hopefully, uh, we won't have any issues further. So, Atul, continuing our conversation, um, we were talking about the different styles of Jack Welch, different style of leadership yes. of Steve Jobs and why they were the way they were and why did people align with them? Uh, there might be a reason uh, to it. And uh, the thing that stayed with me that you said is leadership is very intriguing. It's not a one way of doing things. So the yes. question that I have for you, uh, Atul, is a lot of times I ask this question to guests here is what is leadership according to them? But my question to you is with a little bit of twist, which is, you know, what is not leadership according to you? Right. Uh, so, see, uh, coming back to the original point, uh, leadership is a great opportunity handed over to individuals. And over the years, I have seen some do an exemplary job, uh, some somehow manage to maintain the status quo, mm -hmm. while you know some fail miserably, right? So this is what I have seen over the years. And therein have been my learning. So let me just answer your question about the don'ts of leadership mm -hmm. in two ways. One is the more conventional answer, which I'll take later, which is more organizational and uh, market oriented. Let me just start by the more nuanced uh, nuggets that I have learned over the years. You know, mm -hmm. you may or you may not fi find this in any portal or any textbook because okay. this is purely experiential, right? So let me okay. start by the, those small nuances or nuggets, as I call them, before I get into the organizational and market-related leadership issues, right? Sure. So the, clearly, the don'ts are uh, very, uh, very, you know, over a period of in your daily work life that you see, the biggest bean is micromanagement, right? Hmm. And it has pinched me over the years, right? As a result, empowerment and delegation as a culture becomes non-existent in the organization. Hmm. I would also say that it's not easy to be a macro-manager, right? And yet be confident of the results. But leaders who are able to do it are leaders who reap the benefits of a productive and empowered workforce. Mm. Right? So micromanagement is what all the leaders need to avoid. That's what I feel. And knowingly or unknowingly, many of them get into it, right? Mm. Mm. <coughs> Sorry about this. The second uh, is what I strongly believe in is walk the talk, mm. right? Uh, this is the mirror to the organization, right? This is the inspiration to the organization. What you are talking to the people on a day-to-day -day basis, your values and beliefs, you need to put it into action yourself. And you need to exemplify it, right? And if you don't do that, then this is a massive failure to inspire the rank and file. And this mm -hmm. is what I have seen. The other nugget is... Again, very simple, but very important. It's, uh, you know, the ability to do good listening, right? Mm. Uh, leaders, they may be great leaders, and but uh, over the period of time, as they get into the boardroom and uh, into the higher, uh, you know, corridors of power, uh, they their ability to listen to people reduces drastically, right? Mm. And this has an electrifying impact on motivation if you become a good listener. Mm. Uh, 
also something that is very dear to me. Uh, another thing that I always focus on implementation and I see many people miss out, right? For mm -hmm. me, it is 30% strategy and 70% implementation. I'm a great proponent of this, right? But what happens with many other leaders, I feel it's just the reverse, mm -hmm. right? So it's uh, too much focus, uh, you know, what I call as the boardroom syndrome, right? You need to get out of the boardroom. You need to get out of fancy strategy making after a certain point of time. You need to roll up your sleeves and then you need to go out and provide, uh, you know, uh, you can say energy and uh, motivation to the team for a very uh, streamlined uh, execution uh, methodology, right? Mm -hmm. Where I think this is what I call as the last mile, what I learned during my telecom days when, you know, you can take the wire up to the building, uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, but the wire is right up to the doorstep of the building. But if the association doesn't allow you, to get inside, you can't wire up the building and you, you don't have those additional uh, customers, right? The broadband customers. So this is the last mile learning that if you don't plan well on your last mile, all your strategy will go for a toss one fine day. Mm. And the last nugget that I want to talk about and again, very dear to my heart is the mediocrity versus meritocracy element, right? Mm -hmm. You need to call a spade a spade. Mm. You don't need to paint everybody with the same brush. You know, you need to call out people from a crowd, uh, performance from within a crowd, and you need to call out non-performance from within a crowd. Mm. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you do that, it goes a long way in avoiding mediocrity, right? Mm -hmm. So, I just wanted to start uh, answering your question by... Uh, you know, uh, these uh, nuggets that I do not know whether people get to read about them somewhere, but this is what I have learned over the years. But then there is another very conventional side to the don'ts of leadership and uh, that's more mainly related to the organizational success and how you how an organization performs in market. And uh, I just want to explain this uh, with a favorite example of mine, right? Uh, uh, you know, in 2016, in early 2016, a very significant event happened when in Finland, Nokia hurriedly called a press conference mm -hmm. and uh, where the then, uh, you know, uh, CEO of Nokia, Stephen Elop, he announced, he began the press conference by announcing that we didn't do anything wrong, but somehow we lost. Mm. And then he publicly wept, you know. And uh, this was actually an astonishing announcement, uh, for uh, a formal announcement for the downfall of an iconic and most valuable and most visible brands of all time, which was Nokia. Mm. And... Um, why I'm giving this example is because later on, lots of analysis have happened and it, everybody is in unison that it was a great uh, leadership failure. It was mm -hmm. a lot of the case of leader failure that pulled Nokia down from where it was, mm -hmm. uh, from super heights to super depths, as they say. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
also it was a collective leadership failure right so the so to answer your question this to analyze this uh, you know this uh, fall of nokia becomes very pertinent right because uh, everybody acknowledges the fact how stephen elaw and his uh, backroom team of yes boys how they brought down the company brick by brick mm. and they mm. didn't certain things that they needed to do right so what are the learnings from there and uh, you know one of the key learnings is that in when you are doing undergoing fast growth you should always guard against uh, you know loss of agility and also against the loss of entrepreneurial spirit this is what nokia went through right Hmm. so this is again a very and what i am telling you is a very unanimously globally acknowledged as a great leadership failure case uh, where you know nokia was a case study in some of the best business schools uh, on technology hmm. on leadership and then it went on to become a case study on failure hmm. so, so i am hmm. giving you that example so this hmm. is the first uh, uh, lessons that leadership lessons that came out of the fall of nokia the second was to guard against complacency right hmm. nokia was right at the top of its uh, market leadership a very significant event happened and that was the launch of the iphone hmm. yeah but they failed to recognize the threat uh, from a, a com- uh, from a competitor right hmm. Actually, they virtually sidestepped the threat, saying it is no threat. Right. So, mm. complacency of being at the top is uh, is can be a killer. Right. Mm. The third lesson that you uh, learn from Nokia's failure is how a, how a slow pace of innovation uh, can slow down your growth and can pull you down from a, your market leadership position. Right. Mm. Nokia had this Symbian uh, operating software, right? And at at a given point of time, it started competing with the iOS and the Android. Uh, mm. And knowing fully well that there was nothing unique, vis-a-vis its two competitors, even the applications were much lesser and much weaker. Nokia mm. refused to budge from its platform, right? Mm. And they had to pay a heavy price for it. So they fail to keep up with innovation. They fail to acknowledge, uh, you know, the new market trends, right? And mm-hmm. they stuck to their own guns, thinking mm-hmm. one fine day some magic may happen, which never happened, right? Mm-hmm. And the final thing, which is very important, I feel again, which you know, a leader should hear the inner to the inner voice, not to his inner voice, but to the inner voice of the organization. Mm-hmm. The leadership team refused to do that. They failed to uh, acknowledge the voices erupting from within the organization for change. Right. Mm. Uh, in fact, there the imminent management reshuffle that uh, was to happen at Nokia never happened. Right. So the yes boys and Stephen Lop remained where they were, and uh, finally. Uh, they had to call this press conference to announce, right? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you know, while reading about Nokia's case study, right, 
I really thought that uh, these are four things that one needs to guard against. So mm. on one side of the coin, I've given you my experiential nuggets. Mm. On the other side of the coin, I've given you a case study kind of a analysis. So both combined together, I think they form a pretty long list of don'ts of leaders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They do. And whatever you mentioned, Atul, I can, I can relate to both the sides. Uh, to yeah. the results that are coming out of the survey and this is just one survey there are a lot of there there are surveys that are not giving a number like 75 and 76 that are saying 88 92 93 percent as well and uh, you started this conversation by saying that you're not surprised and yeah. then you you mentioned certain things which which you mentioned beautifully in two different aspects one is the people side of it which comes from your own experience the other one is from a case study from an organizational point of view and yes. if i look at what you said uh, you know, all points are end of the day impacting people, right? If that is how an organization is driven, then the people of the organization will suffer. There is no yes. surprise that if a manager is a micromanager, if a leader is somebody who spends a lot of time in the boardroom, as you rightly mentioned, the boardroom syndrome does not spend a lot of time with people, is not very agile is not somebody who actually understands the inner voice of the organization, which will come through people, people on the front line who are dealing with the customers, people on the front line who are actually putting your product out there, actually know the pulse of the organization. They know what is working, what's not working. So everything that you said, right from micromanagement, right from not listening, getting stuck in the boardroom, not spending time with your people, not being agile as leadership as an organization, only hiring and keeping the yes men around you who say yes to everything, uh, that you are saying, not being not being adjusting and adaptable and actually being very complacent because you are at the top thinking that you will always remain there. All sure. these factors impact market, impact your customers, and most importantly, they impact your people. So no wonder the numbers of people being dissatisfied with their leadership is very high. Now, my question to you, Atul, is, you know, to just dig a little deeper into this, what do you think causes this? You know, as a leader... I'm sure these things have been spoken about. These things are out there and, you know, there are leaders who know that I need to macromanage and I do not need to micromanage. I should listen to my people. I should not avoid my people. I should spend time with my people, care for my people, be compassionate to my people so that I can understand the market. I can understand my people better. Now, these are things that have been spoken for years and years and years. I, you know, there are books that are 100 year old and forget about books that are 100 year old in Bhagavad Gita. Krishna speaks about leadership. So there yes. are there are books that have been written thousands of years ago. What stops a leader from being this kind of a leader? You know, do, right. do you think you can share some thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, so, see, uh, I think uh, what you are saying is absolutely right. There are certain things that are commonsensical, that are out there in the public domain, but they still ha happen despite uh, the red flags being there all around you, right? Uh, I feel they happen because of a simple reason. Uh, uh, because at the end of the day, the leader is human, right? And he's supposed to undertake a superhuman task in many cases. Uh, so while undertaking that superhuman task, somewhere down the line, his human nature sticks with him, right? And uh, he finds it very... Uh, difficult to dissociate some of the very common elements of human nature that might might prove to be a hindrance to a great leadership style. Hmm. Let me give you a few examples here. Right, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one is uh, you know 
now I'm talking about from a pure human nature angle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The you know the failure to uh, or you can say how how easily you can recognize failure, right? Your human nature will never allow it, right? If you are sitting with your next level team, it's very difficult to stand up and say, "Listen, I am a failure or I failed in this context," right? Mm-hmm. So, but at the end of the day, it's a very endearing quality and it may be as inspirational as your own success stories, right? Mm. To wear failure on your sleeve as a badge of honor is a key leadership trait. Uh, So one should not shy away from it. That's what I feel. It's a sign Mm. of a great leader, right? So that's Mm. one element of human nature. The second element of human nature is, uh, you know, like Prashant, you're sitting today, your wife may tell you something, right? Or your family members may say, listen, you're doing this thing wrong. And you may stand up and say, listen, you don't have the backdrop. Uh, This is not wrong. This is right. Again, that's human nature, right? So the ability to take feedback. Hmm. uh, So that's human nature number two. Uh, Again, your mind will always tell you, I am me. I am Hmm. the CEO, right? I have a great pedigree. I have competencies. I have skill sets, right? But so what, right? At the end of the day, you are human, right? Mm. You take feedback, it may be for your betterment. And feedback also relates to something which is called as an open culture, right? If I'm not able to uh, stand up in front of my boss and say, listen, this is what it is. If you do X, mm. you're doing X. And if you do Y, it can uh, produce much better results. And mm. if you can't acknowledge this simple fact, then it becomes a great inhibitor to your leadership style. So mm. that's human nature number two. Mm. Human nature number three is I am there, right? And if somebody else comes close to me, he may become a threat to me, right? Mm. Mm. So uh, it inhibits, uh, you know, something very important that every every leader should do, which is uh, creating a very strong second line. Mm. You know, so succession planning for any leader should be actually absolutely essential. Mm. But then your human nature inhibits this, right? Mm. A great line of second leader actually shows that it's a pretty robust organization that you are in. Right? Mm. So, uh, so that's human nature number three. Human nature number four is, as I said, I am the boss, right? And so either you perform or you perish. Mm-hmm. How, how long and how sustainable this can be is highly questionable, right? Mm. If you give the opportunity to your people to rewire, to re-strategize and come back strongly with better results, I think this can be the biggest motivator to perform. Mm. So in a sense, uh, to answer your questions, I am adding on four more pitfalls to the leadership, right? Mm. Mm. Uh, So human nature number one, number two, number three, number four, how they prove to be inhibitors to answer your question. Because Mm. at the end of the day, the leader is a human being. Mm. Uh, So if you can uh, rise above uh, being a human being to being a world-class manager and put all these behind you, uh, 
then you are on your way to becoming a great leader mm. so how do we do that how does a leader do that so it all comes with experience it all comes with maturity and it all comes with something that i have seen is flexibility right mm. you need to acknowledge the ecosystem around you right you need to not just acknowledge and appreciate mm. if you appreciate with humility the position that you are holding all these things will fall into place because you'll reflect you'll introspect mm. and then you you know you will think about others as well right mm. a great leader first will think about others before he thinks about himself right mm. so it's all about a mindset change it's mm. all about Uh, maturing your mindset, maturing uh, your way of thinking as you rise up the corporate ladder, and I personally feel that maturity keeps on coming after every ladder that you climb. You know, mm. how far you can actually adapt and be flexible and put your own uh, rigid thoughts. at the back burner and keep listening to other people uh, show more empathy if all that is there i think this all will fall into place uh, because we are all talking about uh, you know your sense of insecurity your sense of being i am the ceo and things like that mm. it's not too easy to give away it's just about being more humble being more adaptive of being more uh, you can say aware of the ecosystem around you being more appreciative mm. being more people oriented that's what we started our discussion with mm. true atul and you know from what what i hear you saying is that it's it's i versus we so as yes. a leader as we grow as you said you know as we take those steps on our journey of becoming a leader right from the frontline employee to whatever levels we grow at first second senior or CXO level, with every level we constantly need to be aware of: Am I actually creating boundaries? Am I actually creating walls? Am I actually creating and increasing the distance between me and my people, or yeah. am I actually using my journey of growth to close them up and actually break those walls? Yeah. And you rightly said that you know very interestingly, and uh, the answer was something that I've not heard before. which is that it's just being human so if i am insecure i don't have to beat myself up for it if i am somebody who is not very comfortable with people and actually is focused more on my performance my results and my growth it's all right i don't have to beat myself up for it it's just being human we are born with those insecurities because it's that survival of the fittest right so we are trying to constantly be the one who is the champion so that you know my growth constantly happens now you you mentioned something very interesting that just accept saying that all right i i seem to be somebody who is insecure i seem to be somebody who is not very people oriented i seem to be somebody who is only creating comfort spaces complacent spaces around me and that's all right but i need to shift from it which means i need to constantly work on it and actually build an inclusive culture where i yeah. understand my people where i spend more time with my people where i understand the overall objective of my role as a leader is not my growth you yes. said we need to build succession planning is something that's very important so i need to focus on how do i build more leaders who yes. actually replace me while i am working on building myself so that i can replace the next level of leadership that sure. is the idea of growth right 
you constantly yeah. need to make yourself redundant and that fear of insecurity will only come if you are stuck in terms of your skill in terms of your knowledge in terms of your growth like how you gave an example of nokia that yes. we have this software we have these apps this is how we have grown to become the huge organization that we are so i'm closing my eyes and shutting my doors that this is who i am we will sustain all the changes that are happening around but yes. there needs to be times when we need to question and i think yes. that comes from feedback you mentioned yes. that right being open to feedback if you actually check with your people saying that you know i think symbian is the right way to go i think the way we are functioning and moving ahead as an organization is the right thing to do we will survive this change without actually making a change what yes. do you think that is when technology heads that's when people from the market will actually give you feedback saying that no you need to move to android this is how the customers perception is shifting this is how the user ability is shifting so we also need to shift Yes. so if you're not open to feedback and if you are rigid in being who you are again i versus yes. we yes. then the growth will not happen for you as a leader and for the organization and for your people so everybody right. suffers so right. you mentioned very interesting yeah. points yeah. very so what point. you are saying is prashant if you tie back with the, the how we started our conversation the mckinsey survey right and if you go back and uh, you know talk to those 70 plus percent people who who gave a negative shout out as the result of the survey some of the points that we are discussing here will definitely come out Absolutely. Uh, you know the, how, how the stress is caused how nobody thinks about my family right how nobody thinks about my work life balance hmm. all those things that we are discussing will and that needs uh, to come out from a more uh, empathetic approach of a leader Mm. and that's what we are discussing right mm. so it's mm. a question of rewiring it's a question of changing your personality even you mm. know you need to be mature enough to realize listen these are key traits of my personality that mm. may prove to be inhibitors to a leadership style for this kind of an organization mm. which is been very innovative uh, agile right mm. so i need to change otherwise i will never be able to provide effective leadership so mm. your inner voice should tell you to change and you should change so it's all about mm. listening to your inner voice mm. well said atul very interesting perspective uh, you know i another point that i wanted to uh, put forward is that you know uh, now we have spoken about people we have spoken about teams and uh, when we talk about a biggest area of opportunity for leaders it is team building when i say team building you know getting that cohesive unit together and not just hiring heads that i need to hire eight head counts or 80 head counts and i have filled 80 chairs going beyond that of what is real team building uh, can you share a couple of your experiences atul uh, as a leader over the years of building teams and you know we yes. could talk about pre covid times and covid times as well we can mix them both and you know how did you deal with it yeah so as you're rightly saying for me team building is not hiring or team creation right it's 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 a totally different perspective i have on team building team building is all about how you have a team that feeds upon each other's strengths and leverages from it for uh, taking productivity levels and performance levels to the to the next stage right mm. so that is one aspect of team building the other aspect of team building is how the team is geared up to take up new challenges mm. uh, move out of the comfort zone 
and uh, develop new skill sets and uh, you know improve upon uh, expand the horizons of your performance as i would say so these mm-hmm. are uh, two key tenets uh, that i see in a team building process mm-hmm. and with these two things in mind one example that comes to my mind and let me just exemplify because that's the best way uh during my bharti atl days you know the internal com uh, internal communications was not supposed to be doing very well right and the person who was handling internal communications was on an exit mode because of this reason and okay. also the management felt that inter- internal comms was very very important for the organization at the stage at which it was in at that point of time so they made a strategic shift internal communications as a function shifted from hr to marketing in the hope of something better can happen right okay and as i said this person she was on an exit mode but then this was a classic case how we could package things much better how the entire marketing team got together uh, to you know uh, to support to drive and to guide these new entrants to the marketing team and this had magical effects actually you know the entire culture of the organization became more vibrant and this person who was on the exit mode got the highest rating within the marketing setup and huge appreciation and when i visited the office years after uh i had left airtel i saw her she was still there and she was doing very wow. well right so this is what uh, you know so what i am trying to say team building is not just a leader exercise it's a team exercise a mm. team a team it's not a leader who builds the team right so that is one example that comes to my mind another example is during my stint at the tatas right where you know i moved to the next level so i moved from a marcom position to a marketing head position right the change was substantial in terms of responsibilities roles in terms of accountability and in terms of authority as well mm-hmm. so i had a free hand in building a team at that point of time but i chose uh to pick up my marcom managers and turn them into product managers right so it was not a small change mm. basically it was a change from doing brand building activities to getting into a business development mode mm. it was a change from spending the advertising dollars to um, basically taking revenue objectives mm. so it was a massive change for them as well but see the result when we presented the business plan for a telecom launch of a circle it was unheard of the business plan went through without a single edit smoothly that's what uh, honing up of your skills can do to you right so uh, so these are a couple of examples of how the team uh, upgraded upskilled and for higher objectives and also how a team got together uh to support another team member so these are uh, some wonderful uh, examples that i remember and i cherish still you know how how things can make a big difference absolutely so atul as a leader what did you do differently because both these examples are amazing anybody who is listening to this right now 
you know, an employee who is on an exit path, actually staying in the organization, getting inspired and motivated to actually stay in that role, developing that role, and then you going back to the organization after so many years and seeing that employee actually still there and prospering in that role. Then other change of complete vertical and responsibility from spending dollars in terms of advertising and just generating leads to actually a revenue generation mode. It's a completely different mindset altogether. And I understand you said something very powerful that it's team that builds more teams. Yes, I understand that. And that's a very powerful statement. But as a leader, I'm sure you had a role to play in both these things to happen. You just didn't say that, okay, this is what we are going to do. And it happened. So, you know, as a leader, what do you think you did differently or did not do differently? for this to happen because that's where the learning for the leaders would come in absolutely so as a leader you know you need to be open to taking challenges and say yes so number one i did that right mm-hmm. so in the very first uh, airtel example uh, i did that i provided great motivation i i gave them the idea of how to package things right i gave them uh, and push them towards one very powerful idea was to how to involve the rest of the organization mm. in everything that you do. So we came up with a magazine, which was co- internal magazine called Leap, right? Where we ensured that we showcased each and every uh, contribution for that particular month, right? That mm. energized the whole organization do some very basic things like holding a movie on every Friday and things like that, where people came and they enjoyed uh, the latest hit that was going around the town and things like that. So, you know, to provide a direction, uh, to give them the big picture, uh, and then uh, leave them to implement it, you know, so that's that's how. And then the team rallied around because they're seeing that, you know, uh, the ideas are powerful enough. Hmm. In this case, it was this idea. In the other case, it was as a leader, you have to recognize, uh, number one, what is the potential of the talent around you, right? Hmm. Secondly, you also, and this is very important, you have to recognize the fact that there is a, a team or a team member working along with you who may not have avenues of growth if he stays in the same position, right? And hmm. he needs to upscale and take up some additional responsibility to grow within the organization. So mm. I had, so so this was a key, uh, you can say, motivation for me to pick up a team and then to push them to, uh, you know, to make a business plan is not easy, right? Um, to make a business plan is totally different to make a market than to make a marketing budget, right? Mm. But when I could do it, then why can't my team do it? Right. Mm. So that was the thought, and uh, and uh, and Prashant, let me tell you, people grew after that. Right? Mm. Some of them mm. have grown even; uh, they are standing shoulder to shoulder with me, or even, uh, you know, I see them even uh, growing beyond me. Uh, you know, so this is what happens. Uh, so this is what a leader can do. Yeah, and that must bring bring so much sense of pride uh, in you as a leader and satisfaction as a human being, right? Uh, yes. to see you contributing to people's growth and playing your bit with honesty of what you can do. And that's what leadership is. Uh, yes. Doing your bit in your growth, doing your bit in your people's growth, doing your bit in the organizational growth. That that needs to be the foundation of leadership. And yes. what you did amazingly well, uh, Atul, and that's for everybody of, of us to understand here is what the way 
Atul brought alignment between the organizational goal and the individual goals. Now you yes. mentioned something very interesting, Atul, that you saw a group of people who would probably not grow beyond who they are because there are lack of opportunities in that domain or with that skill set. So for them to grow as people, they had to be pushed outside what they were doing right now is when the opportunities would open up. And yes. the organization also had given you a responsibility of handling that area because organizational goals were aligned with that. So you actually picked up a group of people who you already knew were committed to give their best and wanted to grow. And you brought them into this new domain and actually helped them understand why this is important for the organization, why this is important for their individual goals. And that is what drove them, right? A yes. lot of times leaders get a group of people together and tell them the vision of the organization, talk to them about why is it important for the organization, but they fail to tell people why is it important for you? How is it helping your journey and why, why should you be involved or aligned to this? And right. that bridge between their growth, their aspiration, plus exactly. organization growth is what drives people. And that's what you did very beautifully. Sure. And uh, this is for leaders to learn and understand uh, why is it important? And second thing, yeah. which is again very important, Atul, from your first example, was that you mentioned a word that, you know, you actually got the entire organization together, which means you did not let that responsibility be of that one person or that one team. You actually build a culture, you actually spread awareness and information to the entire organization about what we are doing. And you actually brought in the element of inclusivity into it. Yes. A lot of times what leaders do is that in certain positions, they create that wall and they actually keep things in a very closed loop. And that is where an employee does not see the impact of it at an organizational level. And sure. the organization also does not see the impact of that employee because it remains within those closed doors. Yes. What you created was visibility for that person. So whatever that person and that team was doing, they were getting visibility from the entire organization. Everybody would have been thinking, I'm just imagining it. That, you know, what is this new thing that is happening? Who is driving it? Who is doing it? Oh, it's that person doing it. It's that team doing it. So that sense of recognition that that person would have felt to do yes. something at an organizational level also brings that inspiration and it brings inclusivity in the organization as well. Right. So right. Uh, this is something for leaders to pick up, you know, and I understand Atul from being the humble person that you are, you are constantly saying it was your team, it was your team. But a lot of times as leaders, we don't understand the power that we brought to that. You know, yes. we don't understand how we made that difference. And it's important for leaders to accept and acknowledge that as well, that you yeah. played a role which actually brought people forward. And the sense of pride, which I could sense in you saying that there are people who are doing what you're doing today at your level in hierarchy. Some people have grown beyond you and everybody is doing well. That satisfaction is amazing uh, yes. as leader. So thank you for being okay. honest and sharing that with us, Atul. Thank you so much. So, uh, you know, it gives you a great deal of pride. And as you rightly saying, the role of a leader is, the role, a great leader is a great facilitator, right? Uh, a leader will not do things and tell you, listen, I'm doing this for you. But a leader can really facilitate, give you the options, give you the avenues, give you the ammunition, and also perhaps give you the space to do things, right? Mm. So it's a great facilitator. And also, you know, you need to learn. So you learn from your learnings and then you go ahead and implement it. Like in mm. this case, I recall a discussion with my boss in, you mm. know, during one of my appraisals and uh, you know when i asked him where do i go from here right 
So Pat gave the answer. You know, you can take my position. <laughs> okay. Right? I recall that conversation, but I don't recall it fondly because perhaps that was not the right answer to give to me. Right. Mm. So I took that as a learning. And I said, what I can do for the other people, right? Mm. So that's how, you know, you learn from things and yeah. you you ensure that you don't give the same feeling to others. Mm. 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 And another, another thing that I see as a consistent pattern in whatever you're saying, Atul, uh, which is important as a leader, I think two things. One, uh, employees taking responsibility for their growth and showing their commitment towards their ambition, their aspirations and their growth, because a leader is observant of that. Only then the opportunities come your way. And yes. second thing that you said as a leader, allowing that space, which means you can give ammunition to people, you can show them direction, but end of the day, you're facilitating that journey. You can't take their journey for them. So yes. as a leader, if you, as a, as a team member, if you have that commitment, if you have that hunger, if you have that drive to move towards your ambition, and as a leader, if you see that in your people, you need to facilitate that journey and allow people that space to take their journey and just facilitate that journey. And coming back to your point earlier, which we started with, you know, I think micromanagement uh, comes here and that fear of somebody else taking up your position and you actually saving your position, all these insecurities also come in. So as yes. a leader, it's important for you to understand that it's all right to have those insecurities. But with yes. time, you have to go beyond those insecurities and actually allow that space for your people to grow and facilitate their journey of growth. And indirectly, unknowingly, you're also facilitating your journey of growth as a leader because yes. you're also growing by creating that space for them because you have never done that before. So even you yeah. don't know how will that turn out. So you're yeah. also growing as a leader, right? Yeah. Yeah. Super. Great. So Atul, moving on uh, our conversation and shifting a little towards your expertise domain, which is of marketing, right? I understand that marketing gets spoken a lot as a function in an organization, as the importance that it has for the organization as a skill. But let's look at a different perspective of marketing. Let's look at it as an individual. Now, as an employee, as a person in my life, personally, professionally, does marketing have any relevance for me? If yes, what would that be? Yeah. Um, so in essence, what you are saying, Prashant, is, uh, you know, one is your organization brand and one is your own brand. In this case, it may be a leader brand, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, in many cases, it is very closely intertwined together, especially in the case of celebrities. Uh, like if you take Biocon, it's very closely intertwined with the personality of Kiran. If you take Tesla, then obviously Elon Musk and Tesla's personality uh, very closely. At one point of time, Indra Nui stood for what Pepsi stood for, right? Mm. Uh, Infosys stood at one point of time what Narayan Murthy stood for. Mm. So in many cases, it is very closely intertwined. In other cases, it may not. Mm. But then, uh, you know, marketing really helps facilitate a personal leader brand, right? which may or may not be as closely intertwined as the examples, but definitely is at the intersection of certain common factors, right? All right. So even if I, as a personal brand, if I don't espouse what my organization does, et cetera, et cetera, I will definitely espouse for similar values, similar beliefs, 
similar tone and tenor of my communication and things like that. So mm. hair marketing comes in very handy in creating a personal brand. That's what I mm. feel. Mm. And I'm not going to talk in too much of detail on this, but because, you know, this is there's no rocket science. There are a uh, uh, few things that a leader should definitely do to enhance uh, his own personal brand and its equity. Uh, one of the things is uh, definitely he should have a he should be a great blogger, I feel, because blogging does two things. A blog is the one of the most trusted sources of communication today. Right. Secondly, blog means thought leader content. So these two things are given to a blog. So a leader should definitely, uh, you know, espouse his thoughts through a blog. Mm. Second thing I feel is, and I'm clubbing it together, is social media and PR, right? Uh, a leader should definitely look upon building his personal brand through these two things. And why I have combined these two things is because, again, thought leadership comes through PR and it comes through social media as well, right? Mm. Like you become an industry spokesperson, you know. You may not be espoused as your company spokesperson, but you become an industry spokesperson. Hmm. So it's your personal brand, you know. You hmm. write authored articles. You don't not writing about your company, but you're writing about the ecosystem in which your company works in. You're hmm. writing about the economy, you know, hmm. how things can shape up on the economy. So you are developing a thought leader brand. Similarly, mm. uh, mainly LinkedIn and Twitter are great platforms for creating uh, personal brands, right? Um, you need to keep three things in mind. One is educate. Uh, the second is entertain. And the third is motivate. Mm. I think all your content on social media and PR, if you keep these three buckets of info in mind, all your content can fall under these three buckets with electric effect. It can help create a community, it can help you generate conversations, and it can help finally to create a great brand for you, right? Mm. So that's number two. Number three, I, I feel the next big thing that uh, is coming up now is the podcast itself, right? Mm. I think anybody who's reaching a leadership position or who's a leader in his own right, cannot today ignore podcasting, right? Uh, mm. I was uh, reading a PwC uh, figures very recently, and I was astounded to see that India is the third fastest growing market as far as podcasting is concerned, right? Mm. 58 million listeners per month, right? Um, so these are very interesting. So you, how can you avoid it if you want to voice your opinion? That's what a mm. leader should Right. Mm -hmm. So a very interesting uh, data from KPMG as well. From mm -hmm. 2019 to 2020, that is, uh, as the pandemic proceeded, uh, the podcasting, the listeners actually rose by 30% during this period from 29, pandemic period from 2019 to 2020, right? So uh, leader, definitely you should use podcast and marketing himself. Uh, to create a brand for him, right? So mm -hmm. these are some of the things that I feel that uh, a leader should do to get massive access to other people's tribes, uh, to create conversations, introduce yourself to new audiences, right? Then there are mm -hmm. many other things 
which I'm not going to highlight, like master classes, panel discussions, networking, which may be more offline than online. Mm. But at the end of the day, I mean, um, the media is all there. And the top three I have listed, I personally feel no leader should avoid these three in creating his personal brand. And I would go to the extent of saying creating your personal brand sounds selfish. Mm. You have to voice your opinion selflessly. You have to, you know, create conversations. You have to create networks. And your brand will automatically enhance in terms of its equity, right? So you mm. have to build it bottoms up rather than uh, going from top down. Oh, I have to build a brand, so I have to do these things. That's more of a selfish approach, may not work. Mm. But if you're more of a content approach and build it up and use the right platforms, there you go. There you use marketing to build your leader brand. Mm. Interesting, uh, Atul. The question that's running in my mind is uh, that, you know, as a leader, if I'm listening to you, I understand wh what you're saying. Uh, how will it help me? Why is it important for me to build a personal brand? What do I stand to lose if I don't do it? Yes. Uh, so your personal brand outgrows uh, your professional uh, uh, tenure, your professional duration, right? One fine day, uh, you know, people leave their profession to pursue their own entrepreneurial spirit. It really helps at that point of time. Mm. One fine day, you decide to call it a day and mm. say, listen, now I want to uh, take it easy and do things what I like to do. Then it really helps you. Mm. One fine day, you have to retire, right? Mm. Uh, then you need to pursue your own interests. So in mm. all the three scenarios, your personal brand will ensure that you don't start from scratch. Mm. Your personal brand will ensure that you have a head start. Your personal brand will ensure that you have a community that you can lean back upon. Mm. And, uh, you can start from there. Mm. Rather than chasing people, it can also ensure that people chase you. Mm. Interesting, Atul. And, you know, a uh, lot of people that I speak to about personal branding uh, are in a very comfortable space in their career. They're like, Prashant, we are doing very well. I've been in this organization for 30, 30 odd years. I've jumped between three to four different organizations. I'm an expert in my industry. I'm growing very well year on year. So I don't think I need to do this. You know, all these things are done by people who are not very secure about who they are or where they are right now. But you bring in a very interesting perspective, which is that it's not about your today. It's about your tomorrow, which you don't know what's coming your way. So it's like an investment, you know, where you might not need it at this point of time. But parallelly, if you're building your brand outside your industry and outside the four walls of your organization, you, you may be known by 10, 20, 100, 500, 1000, 10,000 people who are within your organization. But beyond that, there is a 99.99999% world that has no clue who you are. And tomorrow, sure. yeah. if you build your personal brand, it might be retirement, it might be entrepreneurial uh, opportunities or a journey, it might be shifting your job. It might be shifting to a different industry or any other interesting opportunity. If you're putting your thoughts, thoughts out there parallelly, you know, it's like an investment. You're expressing yourself. You're putting your opinions out there. You're constantly engaging with people. One, your learning and your growth as a person, as a leader is getting better. So you're getting better at who you are. And parallelly, you're building that presence out there. And you said something very interesting that you have a community that you're building to lean on tomorrow. 
you have yes. a tribe to lean on tomorrow and that's what we are as human beings right we are social yeah. beings we have to build tribes for our survival and for us to thrive so it gives you that confidence that tomorrow i have built my equity in some space where i can lean on because i am trusted in that space as well it's not just within this organization or within these four walls so it's become yeah. a necessity today rather than a luxury that we need to make our presence felt and yeah. another thing that you said very interestingly uh, atul is that it should not be selfish in nature which means it should not be about building our personal brand that will automatically happen it should be yeah. voicing out your opinion because there are a lot of people out there who will actually benefit from your experience from your opinions from your ideas from your thoughts so it should yeah. be more about giving and putting things out there which will relate yeah. and result in building a personal brand with time so very yes. powerful thoughts uh, coming from a marketing expert uh, and also so, coming yeah. from respects yeah. the human aspect of it sure sure so there are a couple of sidekicks as well uh, when you talk about building a brand so uh, you know uh, you need to do these exercises so say to take today's example right very simple example uh, so whether i have the confidence Uh, to talk to prashant for one hour on leadership right so i'm testing waters right mm-hmm. so that's going to help me tomorrow right mm-hmm. you as a you need to be aware of your strengths your drawbacks right mm-hmm. and constantly keep improving so that is sidekick number 1 sidekick mm-hmm. number 2 to this is you know it's also about your passion to give back to the community like from a marketing perspective i write a lot on marketing right mm. and when people write back and say they learned this and this infographic that you created was fantastic and this is a perspective that i had never thought about you know what you have learned over the years it's i feel it's a duty to give back to the community right very true right and uh, most of my writing say for example like i don't just write on marketing i write on jobs i write on skill development i write on entrepreneurship right and i did a series of jobs for the times of india editorial right now when you give when your whatsapp is flooded on a morning that what an article in toi or when your linkedin page somebody's writing what a great learning it was it is worth it and i think every Absolutely. leader should do that because in the, in the process of doing this you are in essence creating a community of leaders which is outside your organization outside your immediate ecosystem and you may be doing a great job at it hmm very true to land that sense of satisfaction the sense of pride and and the sense of a meaning a purpose to our being more than just that role that we are playing in an organization is very satisfying that you know i'm, yes. I'm doing something beyond uh, what i'm supposed to do in my role and the best part is that you know we don't even have any limits to that like i have no clue where this podcast is reaching we have no clue where this conversation is reaching it 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 would be reaching to people in parts of the world where we would not even have heard of or we'll probably never hear of but something shifted something clicked with that person and they got inspired they picked up something which will drive them to do something that they have been wanting to do as people as leaders so and as a ripple it will affect other people as well in their ecosystem in their circle of influence so we right. don't even know the impact that we are creating right and yes, that's that, yes. that, that's a sense of satisfaction that comes from doing all these things yes, which is right. beyond just the role that we have been given Absolutely. so uh, i'm glad you brought that up uh, 
Atul. And I think there's a constant reminder that we need to give ourselves uh, about I versus we. That it's not just about me. As much as my world revolves around me, but there is a world around as well, which yes. I need to contribute to in whatever way I can. Small, big is not a definition that we need to attach to it. Yeah. Express yourself honestly, put yourself out there, and there are people who will gain from it. Yeah. So, uh, very well said, Atul. Uh, I, I love this conversation of you know where we started and how it's actually flowing to where uh, it is uh, right now. Do yes. we have time for one more question? Because we yeah, have yeah, more. sure. Yes. Go ahead. We can yeah, we can talk. Great. So, one last question, Atul, I have for you is, uh, and the reason I wanted to bring this is because it brings it an element of variety in our conversation. Now, we have spoken about leadership in a very generalized manner, which means we are not spoken about it in a very industry specific manner. So just out of curiosity, because I know that you have experiences across industries, uh, a quick thought, do you think leadership varies based on which industry you are in, the ways to lead or the challenges of leadership? From your experience, do you think they vary? And you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so uh, Prashant, to begin with, I think cross-industrial experience, right, and being sector agnostic is absolutely moving out of your comfort zone and it's not easy from one mm. profile to another. But at mm. the end of the day, if you look back, it provides very diverse learnings. And mm. I'm saying this with great deal of conviction because, again, this is experiential, right? Mm. This is what I have been through. So different industries provide diverse learnings and hence the mental framework of a quote-unquote cross-industrial mm. leader is likely to be much more robust mm. with a much wider perspective, right? Mm. Also, mm. they are more likely to be free from preconceived notions or, uh, you know, ideas and things like that. Mm. Just pick this up one by one and mm. explain it to you because exemplification is the best form of explanation absolutely so let me start by my experience at bharti Airtel, right what i learned there so i learned the highest level of meritocracy in that organization the performance appraisal system there uh, was 100 percent automated right manual intervention was very limited minimal and uh, the system ensured that against any bias, even from any superior. So that's how beautifully, you know, uh, the framework of the system was. So it, you learned the high, very high deal of meritocracy there, right? Mm. Speed at the rate response uh, at Bharti Airtel. You go back home uh, thinking you have done a wonderful job. You have a campaign ready. You are announcing a major scheme. You have your objectives ready. Your distribution channel is ready and your sales team is ready to move in the market the next morning. The advertising creatives are in the publications. Midnight, you get a message that the competition has preempted you on a SMS message, right? So you go back next day in the morning and within a day, you rewire yourself and you come up with something new, right? Mm. Then you are running up the staircase, making presentation slides. That's how telecom in its sunrise days was, right? Mm -hmm. So speed response was absolute that you learned it the hard way. Mm -hmm. And finally, a very high degree of revenue orientation. Right? 
I moved from one organization to Airtel. So the I had to adjust my mindset from talking within lakhs to in millions. I had to adjust my mindset from talking in terms of subscribers to revenue. Mm. Right. So uh, just in a nutshell, what uh, what I learned to a great deal in Bharti Airtel, number one, uh, I has lot of meritocracy and how it impacts an organization, speed and high speed of response. And finally, uh, you know, bottom line orientation, right? Mm. Come to the stint at Tata's now. Mm. What I learned was, and I won't elaborate too much here because it's self-explanatory values and ethics, number mm. one. Number two, highest deal of integrity. Uh, number three, system and poor process orientation, very robust systems and processes and what it can do for you. So when I talk about values and ethics, Tata's used to have that famous blue book and things like that. So I won't elaborate because it's self-explanatory. Hmm. Come to my stint at Shawales, right? Customer centricity. Very few people know that marketing and, uh, you know, business orientation in a liquor industry at least goes down to the bar level and actually goes down to the bartender level. Mm. So that's how close you get to the customer, right? Uh, brand loyalty. How do you maintain loyalty in a very cluttered market? Mm. Value engineering for higher profitability. How do you pick up the existing packaging, existing systems and turn it into a more profitable venture? Uh, so mm. what I learned at Shawalis. So I'm just building upon your question about cross-industrial experience. Mm. Let's take Biocon, right? Biocon was all about exploration. It was all about experimentation. It, it was all about quest for knowledge, right? Mm. Because you are in a, in a regulated industry, right? Mm. Uh, you just can't get into the mass media. Mm. The industry is regulated by government rules and regulations. So you get into these kind of things. So mm -hmm. I've talked to you about Airtel, I've talked to you about Tata, Shovelis, Biocon, and I've talked to you about some of the key learnings that you or the best practices that you took from these organizations. Mm -hmm. Now imagine a leader who picks up all these best practices and mm -hmm. takes them to another organization. Mm -hmm. There's a leader who's been an expert in one industry and picks up the same profile. Mm -hmm. So that is the point, and so it can have magical impact. Right. Mm -hmm. Leaders are portable and hence leadership skills are transferable and we need to accept this norm. Mm -hmm. right? So uh, if you bring in leadership, best practices, you are able to segregate some of the things that you need to ignore and mm -hmm. bring in some of the best practices. And as, hence as a leader, you bring in a much more wider perspective, multiple mm -hmm. perspectives. Look at Arundhati Bhattacharya, right? Mm. She joined as CEO and chairperson of Salesforce after spending 40 years in State Bank of India. Mm. It created ripples, right? It was unheard of, this kind of a shift, right? Mm. But then she was heading investment banking, she was heading HR, and she was heading multiple roles in her stint at State Bank, right? Uh, mm. and so maybe they took a great call by taking a leader who had multi-experiences and they would not have got a leader like that. But on, mm. the, on the paper, it looked like a pretty surprising thing, right? But mm. it struck me at that time that Salesforce might be 
taking a transformational step in their career and their Indian business orientation, right? Mm. Look at Leela Nair, global mm. HR head of Unilever, right? Joined as CEO of the luxury company Chanel. Right? Mm. So where, where is the synergy? Mm. But imagine what could have, what, uh, you know, a different uh, perspective, Absolutely. different learning she would have brought to a luxury table. Nowadays, organizations are looking for fresh eyeballs, let me tell mm -hmm. you. And a leader that doesn't come with any baggage could be the right person in many cases, right? Mm -hmm. Time tells only a, a good leader whether he's a good leader or a bad leader, it only time, uh, you know, it, it stands the test of time. Time mm. can tell. Mm. But um, the trend is there. Uh, most organizations are looking at fresh eyeballs because as mm. I said, leader is a great facilitator, right? He need not be a domain expert in every damn thing, but he mm. needs to be a great people manager. Another example, during my time at Bharti Airtel, Manoj Kohli, he was the HR head. And he went on to become CEO at Bharti Airtel. You know, it it heads moved mm. uh, in the sense that what's happening. Like, uh, and telecom is a pretty technical industry. You know, mm. you have to look at usage and retention. You had to look at acquisition targets. You have to look at telecom networks. You have to look at BPO operations. So it's mm. a pretty technical task. You know. And an HR head becoming the CEO, but let me tell you, he became the CEO with telling effect. The entire culture of the organization changed because we had a HR head as the CEO now. Yeah. So he, he brought a perspective to the table of the CEO that no other CEO could have brought. A fresh mm -hmm. perspective, a fresh eyeball. So I hope I've been able to answer your question. Absolutely, Atul. Uh, very, very intrigued with what, what you're saying. And you know, very clear message to all of us as leaders, everyone out there who is shying away from diversifying, wants to stick to their domain, their role, their industry itself. It's very important to explore and experiment and diversify your portfolio as you grow. So I understand that, you know, it's very important to have that T approach that's very famous that, you know, initially for the first yeah. few years of your career, you need to go deep. Because, you yeah. know, you can't just keep jumping around various industries because then you will be nowhere. Uh, go deeper. But as you go deeper, you find out that area where you would want to experiment and move on and diversify your portfolio because you get different perspectives. And once you get different perspective as a person, as an employee, as a leader, whichever role you're in, you're able to contribute more. And when you're able to contribute more, you are valued more because you bring in some fresh perspectives that others who are stuck in that zone, that domain are not able to bring, not because they don't want to, because they don't yeah. have the exposure to that kind of perspective. So they don't know what to bring to the table. The intentions might be there, but the ability has not developed because they haven't diversified. Yes. And with your example that's coming in, it's beautifully, you said that when you diversify your perspective, which is not very comfortable move to make because your way of leadership has to be different. The expectation from the organizations is different. The expectation from the market is different. The speed of response could be very different. Their, their focus could be on a very different thing of what yes. you had been focusing on earlier. Like, you know, you gave example of people moving from banking to information, information to HR, HR to the head of an organization. So yeah. all this is important right now because fresh perspectives are appreciated. Yes. Having said that, 
if you are somebody who hasn't diversified in your current role then people won't look up to you as somebody who can take on a challenge because you haven't shown that capability or the intention to take up challenges in your current role sure so uh, that's very interesting atul and i'm i'm glad you brought uh, that forward and you said something very interesting also in between where you said that while all this is happening what remains constant is people while wherever you go whichever industry you go to you have to lead people you have to facilitate journey of your people based on the expectation of the organization you know that match needs to happen so uh, thank you for bringing that forward uh, atul uh, anything else that's running in your mind that you would like to share which would add value to our audiences so since we have spoken so much on leadership i just want to uh... leave you and the audience uh, with something to ponder upon uh, nelson mandela comes to my mind right many people think look upon him as a peacemaker right mm. uh, but uh, i think he was a great leader right mm. uh, and it ties back into some of the things we discussed when you asked me like all this is given but then how does a leader do it right So Nelson Mandela came out of jail after 20 years, a weak, old haggard person, right? Tortured, and um, you know his personality was hugely weakened over the years. He had uh, taken a his body had taken a beating, but he came back, and he had uh, the leadership skill to sit across the table. with the same people who had given him so much suffering right and to shake hands with them for the benefit of his own country right so he started from there so that's also a great leader and that's what i was just saying how do you overcome your personal challenges right mm. uh, he had to do it for the sake of his country similarly another leader would need to do it for the sake of his organization mm. so i just want to leave people with this thought wonderful atul a beautiful thought for us to ponder upon that uh, leadership is not just about you it's it's beyond you as well the larger cause the larger purpose that you are serving the impact that is way beyond us and even our understanding uh, is yeah. what leadership is so we need to accept it that way so a beautiful thought atul uh, to leave us with and thank you so much uh, for your time thank you so much for sharing your beautiful experiences uh, with us and thank you so much for being so honest and candid and easy flow in that entire conversation where people can can sense that and i could sense that as well so thank you so thank much you. Uh, thank for you for sharing thank you so much for giving me this opportunity i only hope that the audience uh, has found it insightful i think uh, that effort would be worth it and look forward to our next chat Sure, absolutely, and thank you so much, everyone in the audience. As I always say, for your love and for your support and for the time that you have spent here, everyone watching it live and everyone who watch it in recording later, thank you so much for your support. And please uh, share in the comments of what insights you got from this show. What else would you like to bring up in this show? You know, what conversations would you like to see in future uh, that would help me bring more value to you? And for now, thank you so much for your time, and have a very happy. Saturday and Sunday I'll see you next weekend on a Saturday with another amazing guest bringing in fresh perspectives about leadership till then take care stay safe